Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Winchester Radio. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the Book of the Damned, uh, the 18th episode of the 10th season, written by Robbie Thompson and directed by P.J. Pesci, I think. Uh, anyway, we're, we're talking about the episode tonight, and it was a big episode and a really good one, so there's probably a lot to talk about. And so maybe if anyone's inclined, got a question, something you want to discuss, a theory, our guest call-in number is 347-205-9801. Uh, so the episode, I... I thought it was great, and that's two great episodes in a row. <laughs> I I am hopeful, and I have a feeling that this this last run towards the finale is going to be a good one. So I'm I'm glad the season has had some ups and downs, but lately it's been it's been all up and a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> also, because the last Robbie Thompson episode or so, we've not been hundred percent satisfied with. So uh, for me, this one was a return to to a, a, a Robbie episode that I really liked. Um, it was the return of Charlie, um, Felicia Day. Uh, I was not thrilled about her character in the last episode. I thought she was much more Charlie Sue than Charlie, but I think she was closer to being back to Charlie this time. So I was happy to see that. Um, she did bring back the Book of the Damned, which hopefully may have the answer to uh, Dean and dealing with the Mark of Cain. And I don't think there was a single fan in fandom that believed that Sam had burned the book <laughs> at the end. Um, I said, absolutely not. Dean is paying no attention. He's busy fighting. So is Charlie. And Sam is hiding that book away because there's no way he's not doing his best to save Dean this time. And it's a, it's a terrible idea, but I love him for it. And it's not a surprise either. Um, I loved everything about this episode. There was not one thing about it that I didn't like. I, uh, I, I love Charlie and it to me. This felt like the most that mm-hmm. she belonged in an episode in a long time. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. You know, she you know, yeah. she wasn't um she wasn't, you know, put in just to have Charlie in an episode. She actually belonged in it, felt, you know, with the storyline and loved it. I loved her character, loved everything about her. Um, I love Castiel and Metatron together. They're 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 awesome. I mm-hmm. I love um getting badass cast when he got his grace mm-hmm. back. That was amazing. And I I, I really, 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 really enjoyed Metatron and Castiel. I just can't say enough. I love in this episode. And, of course, so much good Sam and Dean stuff. It, it was, mm. oh, so much good Sam and Dean. I really, really want to know what Metatron's up to with the demon tablet. What's he going to do with that? There, There's just so much. It was another 
it was another episode where there was a lot going on, a lot of characters, a lot of storylines, a lot of information, a lot of things happening, but I didn't feel like one was rushed or one part was too much and not enough of the other. I thought things were pretty well balanced. Yes. Interested through the entire episode. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I I loved Cass and Metatron road tripping together, and it's like the worst road trip ever. <laughs> but yes, I, and, you know it was horrible. But um, I, I thought it was great, and I thought uh, Metatron again was back to being that really nasty, weaselly, evil character. Like I didn't just think he was an annoying pain in the ass. Exactly. I mean, he is, but 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 he is anyway. But he was back to having that evil streak and he was very calculated in this in that he was sort of talking about enjoying being a human and eating his waffles and then having digestive issues and you were if you don't know him you kind of let your guard down just a little bit and I don't think Cass did I mean he did once they were in the library and looking for his grace and maybe he was but he he maintained a pretty good badass Un, untrusting, uh, mistrusting uh, attitude through the whole thing, which which I liked. And as Becky, as Becky, as you said, it was a badass cast back again, and I like that. This is again another episode with that cast back. So good. Yeah. For, good job. for me, I'm not nearly as effulgent about this episode as y'all are. I will say it almost pains me to say how much I liked it because. We all know how I feel about Robbie's writing and Charlie in general. Indeed. Mm -hmm. I still, and I want to question both of you, how you could say this is not Charlie Sue when she's a badass with a gunshot wound that she stitched herself and then she knife fights her way with her gunshot wound and she's still the smartest and she's still the fastest and she's still the best. And so... At the beginning where she's clearly a call out to some kind of comic book thing that I probably don't recognize, but reminded me of Arrow, but I'm sure it's not Arrow and I'm not a comic. My comic book knowledge is very limited. Um, Oh, I couldn't get a comic book either, but I did for just a second when I started it. I thought I was watching, like, I thought Arrow had run over time. (laughs) Just for a second. But (laughs) again, I'm never, I'm never going to... I'm never going to like Charlie the way I did in her first episode. Um, and the fact is, is, again, I want to make it very clear because some people kind of didn't get it clear last time I spoke about Charlie. Charlie Bradbury and Felicia Day, one is a real person, one is a fictional character. Felicia Day, I love, have for over 10 years. Charlie Bradbury, I liked for one episode. That is not, they're just not the same thing. That said, I'm never going to, I know a lot of people identify with the character of Charlie, and if you do, that's fantastic, and I'm glad that you do. Um, but a char- she's not a character that I, I identify with, and so I am able to be more critical of her, maybe. And I just think her dialogue about how did this become my life was actually so insulting because this became her life because she chose it because she thought it would be cool to be, you know, an adventurous hunter 
and she thought it'd be cool to go have her adventure in Oz. And she wanted to live a, like a real life RPG, a real life video game. And it's, to me, it's insulting when you're saying it to a character like Sam who got into this life the way he did, and you think about the characters we've seen, Gordon, Bobby, Rufus, all the hunters, you know, Ellen and Joe, that got into this life by a tragedy, and she chose it and is complaining. And I found that hugely insulting. So I saw I had, completely, I, had I saw it completely differently, but first of all, I never have... Yeah, and like you guys, I never saw Charlie as a Charlie Sue. I never saw that. Um, I didn't see her as a Charlie Sue in this episode either. Um, and then the part where she's saying, how did this become my life? I don't think she necessarily meant that as a negative way or as an insult or anything. It's just like, you know, like anybody would, like, how did how did this happen to me? Like, you know, and I understand that I, you know, like I personally have have said that and I know that I made choices that got me to where I am today but still you think how did how this is not what I expected it to be this is not what I thought my life would be even though I took these choices I didn't think it would be this and you know so I didn't see it as any slam against Sam or Dean no no I don't mean it was Mm -hmm. a slam against him I felt it was insult not insulting directly to him insulting of the idea of the character i don't feel like she was insulting sam i felt like the dialogue was insulting to the hunters we've met in general no oh, i still I, I i i didn't see that either but i mm. respect i respect no. your opinion <laughs> you i didn't see it that way but i'm totally fine that you did that's fine <laughs> yeah i'm arguing your opinion that's the way i saw it it took me aback um, again, because the way I feel about the character in general, it's, yes, you do make those choices and you say, how did I do this? But every choice I've made, I've gone, well, that is why I'm here because I made that choice good or bad at some point. Um, I just thought, you know, to have the one character that thought hunting would be, oh my God, so fun. And it's so naturally good at all of it. Be the one character we've got going telling Sam Winchester, how did this become my life? Like, I had to side-eye it so hard. I get why the dialogue existed, and I like where it went. It was set up for Sam to provide his side of it, which I really did enjoy. Um, I really, really, really liked Sam, one, getting point of view on Sam, because that was direly necessary. Um but also the way uh, the way Jared played it was, and the way Felicia played the scene was fantastic. I didn't have any issue with the way she played it. I had an issue with the dialogue itself. Um, but given the dialogue, I think she played it very, very well. And Sam's response to her and their discussion about this is what I was going to do and this is what I was going to do, I I really enjoyed. But I do have to say that as much as I enjoyed that, my favorite part of the episode was probably Metatron and Cass. Oh, they were, they were awesome. They were so good. Met, and I love, again, on two different levels with Metatron, one, same, I like that he's become a, a villain again rather than a whiner. But I also, 
you know, uh, it almost pains me to do this. Um, I really liked the way it was written for him, the way he discusses being human and where he tells Castiel how fascinated he is by it. Because I can see, you know, if you've never been a rabbit and you're suddenly a rabbit, you know, that might be interesting. I can see that. And so I really liked that. And I liked how the way he took to being a human versus the way Cass took to being a human and the juxtaposition of that where Cass saw it as this really burdensome thing and whereas Metatron finds it this fascinating, um, almost like an, a social experiment kind of thing. Well, he was, oh my God, in he was in the middle waffling. of one of his stories that he loved so much, you know. Yeah, like, like he oh, says, you know, those are just words, but to actually experience, and I like the idea of him saying, you know, it's one thing, it, it kind of mirrors, and I hate to use that phrase when it comes to this, but it kind of mirrors what it what the what everyone's going through. It's one thing to tell the story, but to experience the story, to experience life, is completely different than telling somebody about life. And so, I really wanted his waffles. I wanted them so bad. <laughs> you know, there's there enough waffles for all of us. That? Yeah, no, everybody kept saying, mm, "I want the waffles." And because I don't like sweet stuff that much, oh, God, watching him eat the waffles was so gross to me. <laughs> the <laughs> only thing that bugs me about it, well, that's okay, because more waffles for me and Becky. <laughs> exactly. The only thing, though, he was oh, yeah. eating waffles with a cup of water. That was so gross. No, he needs a big cup of milk there, not water. <laughs> not a big cup of coffee. Mm, coffee. No. <laughs> I didn't even notice when that he was That was not a little cup of water. How bizarre. <laughs> uh, I didn't even notice what he was drinking. I was too busy going, why? Why are you eating that? Um, <laughs> I do, and I like I liked the balance of how you know, excited he is at how just over it Cass is, where he's just like, yes. I don't even want to listen to you. I've already done this, and I did not enjoy it. I loved um, Cass calling Sam and saying, can I kill him now? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I hear you. I'm two feet from you. Um, <laughs> the only thing I thought was weird about the the scene in the restaurant was, it was a very weird angle on Cass. It was very, like, I don't know, the angle was really pushed in and kind of high, and it was really Mm -hmm. odd. Like, I felt like I was looking up at him. Yeah, the director, um, the director, PJ Pesci, I'm not sure if he's directed before, I have to check on that. But I I really, really liked his, he had some really Yeah, that was the only angle. That was the only angle that was off to me. All the rest really liked. I agree. Can, that can, we, have, can like, we have a shallow moment to discuss the angle of Dean shooting from the floor? From the floor? <laughs> because, oh, that's a good oh, scene. That's funny have, because, I'm sorry, I was going to say that PJ Pesci directed this episode, Book of the Damned, and the other episode of Supernatural he directed was King of the Damned. So I, I guess knew I, 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 I remember his name before. <laughs> 
He's, um, he's the damn director. Right? Yes, that's the damn director. Damn director. <laughs> um, good so, yeah, that, for me, that, that was the only time the angle was weird, was that particular shot. But the angle, uh, there was that shot. And um, also, I love the, the angle when Stein dies. Is his name Jacob? Yes. Um, when yes. he gets out of the car and it's from the ground looking up at him. That was all it was beautiful. That was, was a really a great good character. Shot. And I also, to, to take away from the, the shallow moment, I also have to say one of my favorite shots of the episode is really not shallow. It's of Dean eating later, and it's just so real. And, like, they're not they're purposely not attractive shots of him eating, like overstuffed and laughing with his mouth full and everything. And I really enjoyed that as well. So Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, to be the opposite side of Shallow, I also liked what he was very, very unattractive in that. So, <laughs> <laughs> going back to the on the floor scene, what? Um, not only yeah, the angle, okay, yeah, but it was really shallow. cool. Also, like what's up for the yeah. shallow moment? It was really cool. Yes, I loved the way he kept scooting back as he's shooting, and you know, and it was just really, really cool. That he was a badass. Bad Store. Yeah, the whole scene in the convenience store was really cool because you have the really static of Dean having his arm up for so long, and you don't usually get that much kind of exposition in an episode, although this episode had a lot of weird exposition in it, especially coming from the Steins. And I get that you have to set up whatever they are, but it was odd. It felt a little bit forced at times. But I'll you know I'll let that go because one I enjoyed the accent and two I enjoyed the actor. Uh, but having mm. Dean's arm up for so long and having the exposition that the way it built up the tension because you knew Dean had a plan. And, and really, I, uh, I loved the way um, you know Jensen kind of was mimicking his southern um, the uh, southern, uh, yeah. southern accent. <laughs> oh, I love that. I ain't your mm-hmm. friend. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I think, know. I want to know, was it on purpose or did it just happen? Because that just happens to me. If I get around people who are, because, you know, I'm from Texas and the other side of my family is from Mississippi. And if I don't, like, I do kind of break my accent on purpose. But when I get around people who have an accent again, I slip into it very easily. I can get very Texas and very Southern very easily without realizing it. Um, I, do, I, I do the same thing. I'm like a accent sponge. Like the first band con I went to, my roommates were from um, Scotland. And so by the end of the week, I was, ta- I was talking about a wee little blah, blah, blah. You know, I was sounding a bit like Rowena by the end we're of talking the week. about like Rowena. I only, yeah, I only, do it with, I only do it with my natural accent. Like if, I, if someone sounds, you know, like I said, twangy or any kind of Texas or Southern accent. I'll soak that back up. I can't do it with other accents so much, but so I'm curious as if it was if it was a choice or if it just happened. Because like I said, for me, it just happened. Um, I um, I really liked Jacob, and I liked Felicia calling him Gambit. And and if if it's yeah, if I it's didn't get that similar, but yeah, I didn't get that reference. Oh, Gambit. Gambit is I know a, Gambit's an X-Men thing. I know it. Yeah, it's X-Men. I don't... I, I own X-Men. I only do Batman. 
<laughs> a little bit yeah, of random right. spawn, and I used to do the Ninja Turtles comics, but I don't Marvel, and I don't whatever X Men is. I don't even know. I I'm strictly a Batman kind of person when it comes to comics. X Men. I, I don't know. I'm Marvel. I'm pretty sure X Men's Marvel, and Gambit, yeah, that explains why Gambit, I'm really Gambit, <laughs> Gambit is Gambit's uh, real name is Remy LeBeau, and he is from New Orleans, and that's. Exactly why she called him Gambit. It made it made perfect sense, and and of course, if he is from New Orleans, actually it wouldn't be the um, actually it was, and that that city makes sense, of course, with its its history and background in you know black magic and the occult and ghosts and everything else. So I think I think that would be really cool. And Gambit, the 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 accent fit him. Gambit's a very different character, but. Um, Okay. But so yeah, isn't he the one that like climbs walls or something? No, no, he um, builds the energy. Or he like does it with the cards. He's a gambler. He he's a raconteur. Oh. He's a ne'er do well. He's a uh, he was played by Taylor Kitsch in in the first in the Wolverine movie, the first Wolverine movie. Perfect casting. He had a great accent and um um yeah, and he he does the playing cards and they can explode. And he's got a staff that he works with as well. He's a great character. He's one of my absolute favorites. I might choose him over Wolverine, and everybody loves Wolverine. <laughs> so, um, so take your word for this. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I. You know what? I'm sure I, I'm, I'm not a DC person. I'm just that's like that, whatever. You know. So you could just, you could talk me down on that one. <laughs> That's fine. I, no, no. It's it's and it's just one of those things that I, you know, when I was growing up, it was very much like, are you a Marvel or are you a DC person? And my mm. affiliation went very Batman, very early, and mm-hmm. so when the when the X Men movies came out, I was like, I don't care. I don't know what's going on. This means nothing to me. <laughs> um, They're a lot of fun, but I, you know, uh, I. It's it's not it's not a war between DC and Marvel for me. I just happen to like the Marvel characters a little more, whatever. But my all-time favorite comic book series is neither, and that's Preacher, which they're starting to cast and do things for. So yeah, I did mm-hmm. a bit of like I like I said I did a bit of Constantine growing up, uh, mm-hmm. but mostly mostly Ninja Turtles and Batman, a little bit of Spawn. But, um, so yeah, I didn't get that joke, but I let it go. I always assume, for the most part, like, I don't get most of Charlie's jokes. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of jokes. jokes. I don't. I Especially don't, anything I don't get gaming, them. I don't have a clue. The gaming, okay. Yeah, my my gaming, my gaming, my gaming went out when they got, when everything went to computers away from consoles, and when the consoles went 3D and started giving me headaches. Uh, mm-hmm. I I got out of gaming also. Again, my gaming ends with like Legend of Zelda, and I mean like Link to the Past level of Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, the a lot of and I guess maybe that's also part of why um, Robbie's writing doesn't appeal to me. I generally don't get his references. Um, I got the touring thing because I had to study Alan Turing when I was. Um, doing statistics for pharmacy school way back when, and he was a part of it, and this was way before the movie. So had I never taken that class, I wouldn't have gotten that joke because I just wouldn't have. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of. I'm a, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm not I don't know I don't a lot of geek references go go past me quite often. If it's if it's not if it's not um, Doctor Who, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> well, you know I don't get them all, but I don't mind because everybody's got their own interests, you know, and their own thing, and their own. I make references that go right over some people's heads, you know, because they're not. Oh, Spanish totally. Or, it's just so like, it's like, like I'm missing okay. Reference all you want. I don't care. Yeah, and when I used <laughs> but, to do recaps, I used to get a lot important. of people telling me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, and I used but, to get that a lot. Like I would make references in my recaps, people would be like, "I don't understand what you're saying," or they would think the joke was mine, and I'd feel bad because I'd have to come back and be like, "No, I'm not that naturally funny. I stole that from something. Sorry." Um, so I get that not all references have to, uh, be in accordance to everybody, but, um, generally, especially like, I know some people are like, oh, I understand her shirt. I'm like, I didn't, I can't, how can you even tell what she's wearing? How are you that good? I don't, I didn't even notice. So like, in a way it impresses me because I have no idea what any of her shirts ever mean. (laughs) Yeah, mostly me either. Anyway, um, do you do you like the addition of the Stein family? Because I don't think we've seen so the last really, of them. So I want to know what really they do. are. Yeah, I want to know what they are. Um, they I, are they are hard to kill. They're they're like well, talking about the vampires. They're hard to kill. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Okay, so they're a family that goes back to the 1800s. They're hard to kill. They're big dudes, and their last name is Stein. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm not going to put out a Frankenstein thing, but I'm just saying Frankenstein. Hmm. Maybe because I, because one of my things was very, I was very into like Mary Shelley Frankenstein when I was growing up, so maybe I'm uh, projecting. But the 1800s thing really kind of knocked me off because we're used to things being older than that. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Are you thinking Especially maybe the they might the be like? Is is the Book of the Damned is ex- extremely ancient, if you can be extremely ancient. But yeah, but the book right? I mean, it's, they acquired it. Right, but I'm saying it's 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 much older than the family. It's not like the family right. has been guarding this book forever since it was no, made. They so only they have came a, they, to it I, later. I think okay. they said 100 I, years that they had them. Are you thinking they're like? Uh, are you thinking they're like maybe um, like Doc Benton type people? Maybe. Yeah. Think? Like what? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like what? Like Doc Benton um, from season three. Doc Benton. Doctor Benton. Sam tried to make the deal so Sam so Dean could live forever. Remember Doc Benton? What was that? Oh, my <laughs> oh, Doc Benton. Okay, I'm like. I am so yeah. lost. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, back oh, in Doc season ben. three. Oh, yeah. Back in season three, and then they they left him in the box. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that kind of thing. But I'm right. thinking it was okay. very that that 1800s was uh, that just kind of nudged me because, again, we're used to things being uh, that was just uh, an unusual date for me, and mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm thinking something like that, which I think would be really cool because we've never had a even with Doc Benton, we didn't really get into the idea of that. It was just him that he had. You know, there was a, a bit of a, a Frankenstein reference, but we never actually dealt with Frankenstein's monster, but we've dealt with everything else. 
So, and mm-hmm. I always feel like, um, uh, to take it back to Doctor Who for a second, there's an episode um, in the most recent season, The Mummy on the Orient Express, and in the behind-the-scenes stuff, the guy says they went with a mummy because they felt like the mummy was, like, the unloved monster child. Like, nobody ever cared about the mummy, no, no, you know, except for, like, cheesy movies. And I feel like Frankenstein's monster is that way. Like, you know, he's the very mm-hmm. left-out monster, and it's a very left-out family, and, it's, you know, everyone always thinks that Frankenstein is the monster, but no, Frankenstein is the family. So, yeah, I would actually be interested in them going that way, which, means, which of course, means I'm completely wrong. Let's <laughs> be real. <laughs> I just, I just want to find that I'm completely wrong. <laughs> well, it reminded me, I mean, the family and the guarding of the book, it, and if it's that kind of important, well, it reminded me a little bit of um, the knights guarding the grail and also the oh, the other yeah. family in Indiana Ooh. Jones and the and the last crusade where it's it's their job, you know, and they'll, yeah, they'll die I protecting could definitely it. see that as well. Ooh, that would a be a little bit like that. Although yeah. for that, for this family it seemed a little more personal and less of a job or like a not a job but like um a I don't know, it just seemed more personal. But I could see that too, so we'll have to see. Yeah, but it, yeah, it we're definitely in the crew not done with them. Tweeted about how um, it was something with a dean in the scene and had kind of a golem or golem thing going with that. With the oh, it was Jared. Jared said. Oh, it was Jared. Jared. Okay, well that makes he sense. He said <laughs> that with the book, uh, Dean had a whole um, my precious thing going with the book. Yeah, I don't know. Oh That's yeah. Funny. Yeah, he totally the did. member totally of the Stein did. family sure seemed like a golem because he just kept shooting when he was, a, big was a really big guy. So Yeah, who knows? But it's, it's just the beginning of them, and we're just kind of throwing things out, but who knows? But, yeah. But I liked it, and I thought um, uh, Jeff Branson, who played Jacob Stein, did a did a great job. Oh, he was great. He was awesome. I, I really enjoyed I know, him a lot. I know he's from soap operas and things, but I'd, I'd never seen him before, and I, I really, really liked him. No, I saw a lot of people really excited that it was him, and I was like, I don't know who he is. <laughs> I, I, can either, but I, I can understand why he has a lot of fans, because he's really good. Yes. He was really good, but oh, oh, okay. And I don't, I didn't really know him either. Oh, he was on The Young and the Restless, huh? Okay. I'm looking him up. Yeah. I, on Guiding Light. Oh, and, no wonder. Yeah. And all my children. I, all my children. Okay. Oh wait, he was on the Guiding okay. Light. I watched the Guiding Light growing up. Um, the Guiding Light was in two thousand and nine. Oh no, I was past by then. No, I watched it much younger. Mm. I stopped. I think I stopped watching Guiding Light in like two thousand ish. It's not. It's uh, not earlier. So that would explain why my mother oh. didn't recognize him either. She stopped around the same time. I feel old because he was born the year I graduated high school. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know how I feel when people talk about Kylie Jenner. Um, (laughs) Who? (laughs) Exactly. I just just know she's on Snapchat. I actually, I just know that she's a Jenner. I actually know nothing else, really. I just know that she is a Jenner. Uh, I I try to stay far, far 
far away I from get, that family. I get her um, and whoever the other Jenner girl confused, and I get the other two Kardashian girls confused. And I, yeah, my references are not yeah. pop culturally. So, yeah, yeah, they're not correct. No, just all of them, no. <laughs> um, all a world of no <laughs> to all of them. Yes. Um, but um, so speaking of creepy families, Kardashians. Um, yes. Yeah. See that that was relevant, guys. <laughs> um, I I want to go back to to Sam because I feel like mm. I feel like we really um, and we've you know critiqued that um, on our podcast and also you know individually and it's been critiqued across fandom that we, you know, what happened with almost the reboot of Sam in the eighth season. And, you know, we kind of, that kind of continued through season nine, and now we get a Sam who is not resigned to the life, but is actually saying, no, I get it. This is my life. I can't walk away. Because he keeps Mm -hmm. trying, like he did, you know, you could make the argument that he walked away with Amelia, but in the end he chose the life and he chose Dean. And he always does, and Dean always does. They've both tried and they both fail at it. And instead of Sam saying, again, if I just save my brother this one more time and then I'm out, he's actually saying, not only am I not trying to run away anymore? I want to save my brother so I can keep doing this because this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was a really big, I mean, for a character who's 31 years old, I felt like that was a really big growing up moment. Mm -hmm. And I really, really liked it. Um, I love the way it was written. I love the way Jared played it. The, that small little look to the side and just, again, one of the things that Jared Padalecki does really well, um, as much as I love to hear him speak, the way he acts with his face and his mannerisms and his, his body gives so much gravitas to Sam. And in that scene with Charlie, it was just every... It hit every it hit every little piece of me inside, and I really mm-hmm. really liked it. It was gorgeous. I love that it went all the way back to the pilot. He talked mm-hmm. about Stanford and Jess and, and being a lawyer. I loved how and he kind of had to pause for he kind he had to pause for a second before he mentioned Jess. I loved that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were just a couple of really good just. I hate to say dramatic pauses because that makes it sound like it's not well done. Right. But they were well done. They were just perfectly timed and, um, you know, however they worked that out between uh, director and actor was really, really, really great. So Maybe emotional pauses might work? Yes, we'll go with emotional pauses. Like an emotional pause. That works. Thank you. Um, um, I, yeah, that was gorgeous. I was go ahead. Um, different subject. I was going to say how awesome it was it to get classic rock back, and not just one song, but we got two. In this episode, and it was the who. <laughs> it was the yes. Yeah. Here's my Ooh. thing. 
in terms of fandom, I'm behind blue eyes is always going to belong to Giles, and it's always going to belong to Buffy yeah. fandom to me. And it was really for me, it was like, Mm-mm, nope. <laughs> you are in the wrong show please leave <laughs> oh that's funny because uh, that song for me goes so far back in a well not obscure but it comes from a time when there was no internet there was just like really crappy videotapes copied over a million times for a show called the professionals and there was a character in it called Bodie. And there's there was a classic music no, video done to Behind Blue Eyes. There's and then a, from there, an even weirder a weirder thing, it was used in a musical sequence in General Hospital for Scott Baldwin, which I remember yeah. thinking, no, that's Bodie's song. So it's not that I'm you know don't like it used here, but I don't also don't think Sam nor Dean have blue eyes. Well, but, you know, cast us. I love the song. Oh, yeah. That's I, right. That's right. That's right. Here's my thing. I, I, I love it. Yeah, you mentioned oh, The Professionals, and here's the funny thing. There's a joke in another show that I watch called The Thick of It, and he says, at one point he says, you know, you go do this, you go do that, and then he goes, Bodie Doyle, you go around the back. And I, did, oh. and I was like, what? What does that even mean? <laughs> and he says, in times of stress, I make jokes. I was so confused, so I Googled Bodie Doyle, and it popped up that show, and I was like, oh, it's like a, okay, I get it now. So it's and that an was amazing just, show. That was just I mean, it, about it was, two days ago. <laughs> wow, that is weird. That's one of my all-time favorite, favorite shows ever. Um, talk about, uh, you know, a chemistry and um, a chemistry on and off screen and dear friends who became friends because of being cast on this show as Martin Shaw and Lewis Collins. That show was late seventies, early eighties. It was meant to be England's answer to Starsky and Hutch, but it's yes. actually, and I love, I love Starsky and Hutch, but it was, it's actually a much, a much more superior show actually than Starsky and Hutch. It did things at breath the time in the seventies and eighties in television that there's still an episode that's banned from being uh, broadcast just because of the subject matter that it dealt with. I oh, wow. I love that show so much. I can't no, and that's it. the funny thing. Like, I've watched The Thick of It multiple times. It's actually Aspect Youth, my current obsession. Um, oh, so I've watched it. Yeah, it's <laughs> really, it, it, it's gross. I've probably watched the whole series seven or eight times in the past two months. Now, granted, it's mm-hmm. a very long series, so I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. It's a very short series. But yeah. I finally broke down. It was like, I do not get this joke. I have to understand this joke because I don't get it. <laughs> and it's funny because so you could have just, just asked me. <laughs> I didn't know that it had anything to do. I, I thought it was going to be like a sports That's reference. So that I thought it was going to be like a soccer reference because it's a British show. So yeah. I was like, I don't, get, I don't get their sports references. I get American sports references because I'm, you know, yeah. painfully American that way. Yeah. Um, and the fandom, fandom for pros was, and, and actually still still carries on, but it was just huge at the time. It's one of those shows where, and a little bit similar to Supernatural, tons and tons and tons of fanfic was written. And some people, and because of the, the power of the relationship between Bodie and Doyle, there were fans who, who liked where they saw a slash relationship and wrote 
stories not having seen a single episode of the series. Oh, wow. And, yeah, very interesting. And a lot, a lot of alternate universes, really amazing stuff. And it, I would say these three should be a, a lending library for the pros. And how we used to do fanfic before the Internet. And um, it was paper, all paper, and they would send you stories, and they, you would get the list. And the list would be 90% slash and about 10% gen. So if you wanted to read fanfic, and, and please, there's nothing wrong with either genre, but everybody just reads what they want to read and feel like, oh, well, um, okay, I just want to read more prose fanfic and I've read all the gen. Well, I'll just start on the slash, you know, and, and, and there are some fantastic stories in both genres. But anyway, uh, yeah, it was one of those that really took hold of, of fans and fandoms, imaginations and creativeness. And just, I mean, if you're into any kind of like relationship stuff, buddy stuff, however you want to see it, um, cops, brothers, uh, brothers in arms, that's a great show. In fact, it's the reason I, I bought a region-free DVD player so I could buy the DVD series from England because I love how, I love how you're there. like this is a show you can't get a hold of you should go watch it <laughs> no but you can <laughs> if you have a reason for a DVD player <laughs> you can you can order the DVD and they're still sold in that you know that's not a problem I wonder if it's on something like Netflix or whatever finally because there's so many things you know but now now it's easier there's so many ways to watch like TV and find obscure things but but this was years ago it's the reason I got a region no, I'm just super player. player you were like it's you know you can't get a hold of it but go watch it <laughs> you know. um, yeah but, but yeah but that, was, that was really it's not for, gone forever yeah. <laughs> well you made it sound like it was gone forever but yeah that was my only weird thing about behind blue eyes is one I th- it was slightly weird placement for me, although I love that song. But also, like, I, I just can't. It's Giles' song, and it's just going to be that way for me, and I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just I, stuck that way. I thought, you know, eye color aside, I thought it fit Sam and what he's going through at this moment perfectly. The See, words, I, I thought, thought it fit Dean better. <sighs> Sam is the one who's you know, he's going behind Dean's back and doing this stuff. And yeah, but I feel, like, burn I, the book feel like, and... I feel like Dean was, I feel like, I don't feel like Dean's, I feel like he's faking it so much lately. It's very fake it to make it right now. And so I felt like it was a little more, like, I felt like Dean was trying too hard at the, you know, at the family but dinner. The thing is, everybody knows that he's doing it. Everybody knows that he's faking it. And well, I feel like I feel like only Sam, I feel like only Sam gets it. Well, okay. Really I think I Sam think Sam's the only one that really gets it because Sam, Sam's one has to keep telling everybody. Yeah, Sam's one has to keep that, telling everybody. That's he's my not point. Doing I agree well. that Sam. I agree that Sam is the only one who gets it, but he is telling the other people that oh this yeah, is what Dean is doing, whereas Sam is telling no one what he is up to. You know, he's got, you know, he, he tells, you know, he's working with Castiel, you know, uh, and Charlie a little bit behind Dean's back. But then here he goes to Rowena. And, you know, so Sam's the one that's really got the big, um, you know, which is great stuff going on. That was that was my other little glitch about the episode. How did Sam know where to find Rowena? Like, he just figured out who she actually is. She left Crowley. 
How did he find her? That was the only thing that I had a question about the whole episode because I'm sitting there thinking, how, 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 how did you find her? You know, like, how did you get away from everybody (laughs) and then find her that easily and sneak the book out and everything? Like, how? You know, but come on now. Does he know a witch summoning spell or something? You know, is the only. Thing and if he I, did, I feel like we would have seen it. So yeah, yeah. So I, I wonder I, if it I, was I, cut I because there was stuff cut from this episode more than there yeah. Weird, you so. you could tell oddly enough, and you normally you can't tell, but um, you, there was a couple I can't think off the top of my head, but um, I was watching it with um, with Clarissa, and she was like, "Oh, you can tell that was an obvious cut," and I was like, "Yeah, that really was." Robbie um, tweeted. Also, um, Robbie, well, Robbie yeah. said that the scene itself was cut of Dean walking on. Not, I don't know if, but I don't know if he meant that it was filmed and cut, or cut before filming. Which again, I would have liked an explanation to why. Like obviously Dean was working out, but I, I feel like we should have had the moment because I feel like everything Dean does right now is really Mark of Cain related, and I feel like the workout probably was, and I would have liked to see that. I don't care what it was related to. I wanted to see it. I'm trying to be throwed up about it, okay? I was already shallow about Dean once, and I was trying to be, you know, I was trying to be. Hey, you succeeded. You're good. (laughs) I look shallow. It's okay. And there was definitely one scene that was uh, filmed and cut because it was in the promo photos, and it explained why Castiel had Metatron handcuffed in a restaurant and nobody questioned it and in that's the promo photos like the, that we have on our he site has, he holds up the his badge that's right yeah he's got he's doing the upside down fbi badge like he does and so apparently you know they did film him you know telling the restaurant he's fbi and that's what that has i'm handcuffed. glad and in a way i'm glad they cut it because i think you know that gag was already used come on now Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I agree on again, it's another moment of not having an explanation of something in this episode. So mm-hmm. I have to wonder, is there an explanation for the Rowena thing and it was cut as well? Or was it something that was neglected to be penned at all and we're just supposed to assume that, I don't know, it had to have been cut because there's no way. I think, yeah, I think it had to be because there had, there's, there had to be some reason, Some there had to be a, an explanation for how Sam met up with Rowena. So, mm. so that mm-hmm. that did really bother me because especially I could understand maybe if Dean had had summoned her. Obviously, he can't summon her right now because he's not part of this. Behind it, you can't go behind your own back. But you know, considering the last time we saw Rowena, it was in connection to Dean. Um, there's absolutely no way, no feasible yeah. way I can think of. Or Sam, and Sam just found out about her. It's like he not he didn't yeah. know right away. I mean, he so he it should have been hard. Out. Like even if he had gone to Crowley, it would have been hard for Crowley to get a hold of her because she bailed on Crowley. Mm-hmm. So not even right. having that, then, and technically Dean doesn't know that Rowena bailed on Crowley, so Sam wouldn't know that either. So his first instinct would be to go to Crowley, to which Crowley would be like, I don't know, she left. Mm-hmm. So it made no real sense, and that was bothersome to me. 
Mm-hmm. One little piece of dialogue that I liked um, when Dean, yay, he was actually telling Sam some information and not keeping mm-hmm. it back and hiding from him. He told him about Rowena being Crowley's mom and everything, and he said that she said that um, Crowley's gone soft, and Sam's like, well, yeah, he has. I was like, yes, thank you. I'm so glad everybody's acknowledging that the king of hell is not actually very hellish. <laughs> no, I like that. And what I liked about that moment, too, um, and it's inevitably going to blow up in somebody's face, but for the moment, um, I like that Dean went, you know what, I withheld this information from you. Sorry. And his sorry is really not that genuine. It's like, eh, should told you, I guess. And Sam <laughs> looked at so. Sam's yeah. like, okay. And it's one of those moments where you get that Sam goes, well, you know, I'm kind of going behind your back, too, so if I say something... That's really hypocritical of me. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I like that it didn't result in this big dramatic, like, you lied to me kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Previous seasons, that would have been the end. You know, there yes. would have been a giant argument. Somebody would have stomped off and, you know, it would have been horrible. But now it was like, eh, you got it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so move again, on. I think Moving was, on. Yeah. Again, I think, and it's an odd thing to say in an episode where Sam is being, you know, deceitful um but i feel like this was an episode where we got a lot of growing up from sam Mm. one of my favorite lines of dialogue in this episode and it's so dorky but i just every time i think of it i just laugh and laugh it's when Cass and metatron are accosted in the alley by the angel and he said i'm just a cupid an angry angry cupid just the way he says it, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> I can't help it. I know it's little and it's dorky and he doesn't last, but it just it just made me laugh because he said I'm a cupid, an angry, angry cupid, which cupids are angry. You know, they're happy and huggy, full of love, and this is what it's come to, you know, angry cupids. But um, One of the like things that I think is interesting, and I don't know if, it's deliberate or not because I always hesitate to think that things are deliberate in this in this in this uh, show because to paraphrase Misha Collins uh, it's not that deep um, which he said at a Comic Con uh, round table a few years ago where somebody asked him a really in-depth question about the show and kind of a real meta type question. He was like, you know, the show is not that complicated. It's not that deep. And um, so I do feel like sometimes we have to pull ourselves back as as fandom and go, you know, I think Misha was right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We might be overthinking this just a tad. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, the uh, the fact is, is that, you know, Metatron is, you know, the, the, the clue is Don Quixote and um, theoretically, the only reason Cass can save himself and gets that reference is because Metatron gave him all the knowledge, which Ooh. is also metafiction, which is a Robbie episode. Yes. I thought of that. So theoretically, the only reason that Cass was able to save himself and, you know, Metatron wanted to steal Cass's grace. So the only reason Cass really got to it first is because of Metatron. Right. And I, and that's awesome. 
I that thought is that was cool. kind of interesting. So, again, I don't know if that was on purpose. I kind of, again, it was a Robbie episode that that happened in. And to be quite fair, I don't like that uh, Metatron gave him all the, technically all the pop culture reference, but, you know, pop culture, what does that mean exactly? And, like, I got the reference because I had to wade through that book for a class. Clarissa got the reference because she watched Men of La Mancha not that long ago. So, again, some people might not have gotten that reference if you didn't watch that movie or have to. That would be me. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> book. Here's the weird thing about that book. Here's the weird thing about that book. That book is... Uh, okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying that I understand that I actually have a big problem with the way Robbie Thompson does meta. I don't like it. I prefer Eric Kripke and Ben Edlund's style of meta. No, really? Seriously? I know. Should anybody who listens or knows... What a shocker! I know. (laughs) Um, But if you are a first-time listener, uh, that's my stance on things. I just truly, truly dislike his writing meta. Doesn't mean I'm right or wrong, because some people really like his style of meta. That's fine. I don't. However, the thing with Man of La Mancha is it's one of the original instances of meta. Um, and it's the idea the you know, he's writing this story and it becomes, as his journey progresses, he can't... I read this book so long ago. The book is that he's writing his memoirs in a way, but then his memoirs are published as he's writing the second part of the book. And so there's no longer, like he has trouble with what's real and what's not. And again, he's going crazy. And so the line in the book is, what's the maddest thing a man can do? Let himself die. But it's a, it's a, it's a book about a man on a journey. And he befriends another, and it's he befriends a man, and it's not really a real friendship. And it's it was very, it worked. It very much worked. If you've read the book or seen the movie, it was actually a little on the nose, in my opinion. But I also think most of Robbie's meta is a little too on the nose. But that said, I do, again, the only reason Cass would get that reference is because Metatron gave him the knowledge to get that reference. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually think that when it happened. Yeah. If, so. if intentional, I will give credit where credit is due. If not intentional, well, you know. You can pretend it's you can pretend it was intentional, Robbie, and I won't tell anybody. So Metatron is on the loose with the demon tablet. He's human. Yeah. But this he's on very the loose again. He has the demon tablet. And why this all this with the tablet coming back and, and this book of the dam that they're having trouble interpreting, it just kind of gives me a little hope and I have no clue, nothing to base this in. Be nice to see Kevin back. Somehow. Yes, yes. I no. want to know what Ghost Kevin and his mom are up to. Is Ghost Kevin still, mm-hmm. is he still yeah. nice? Has he turned, you know, bad like ghosts tend to do? I'd like to know what's up with Kevin and Mrs. Tran. Mm-hmm. I miss them. Well, too. Well, when he pulled out the demon tablet, I was like, no, that's Kevin's. You need to get away from that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be the really heartless person that didn't even think of Kevin at all. 
Sorry. I love Osric and I love Kevin, but it just didn't occur to me. Sorry. Um, at least Osric knows I love him. Maybe no one else knows- will either. <laughs> he's not he's not quite the status of the forgotten Adam, the forgotten Winchester. But... Oh, that's true. Uh, um, and we had another uh, instance of, of uh, Robert Singer, producer Robert Singer, doing a voice. On oh, yeah. He's, he's like, he's like the, the voiceover guy. He, that's, that's him. And but it's fun because it, it's become yep. almost a, a game because his voice has become so recognizable. Um, yep. Where before it used to be, is that? Was it? And now it's like, oh, it was. <laughs> Yes, so, there he is again. As soon as that scene aired, everyone went, Bob Singer! Yep. <laughs> and he was on the radio introducing Alanis Morissette, just in case someone is wondering what the what the heck scene we're talking about. He introduced the song. I guess they couldn't afford Ironic since they already had Boys Are Back in Town and Behind Blue Eyes in the episode. So they couldn't get no. Ironic. I, I would have voted for Thin Lizzy thought. and The Who over Alanis Morissette. No, you know, I would have voted for those. Here's, and again, here's my thing. I actually, again, The Boys Are Back in Town, it was it worked in the scene, so I'll give it. But wow, was it, I don't know if it's because I've been in fandom for so long, but that was super on the nose for me too. Um, but I do like how excited Dean is in that moment, and I mm. like I like him planning their vacation, and even you know at Sam at first being really reticent, and then being like, "Oh yeah, you're right. We've never had a vacation like that." And I love you know, I don't know what kind of vacations they've had before because apparently they're watching porn together on their usual vacations, <laughs> and I don't know how I I don't know what to do with that. But you know, you do you, boys, whatever. I've never I think had it's a Dean's brother. idea I've of a vacation, a and well, but he like, made no. it seem like that's their. He, the way he phrased it was very much like that's their their typical vacation. Uh, and so, <laughs> no, I had to pause. But have that like, weekend in Vegas, right? Yes, exactly. Together, and no. so again, yeah. I'm confused. Um, but again, I've never been a brother or had a brother, so I don't know what brothers do. I know that you know. I know boys do weird things. I know. I have a lot of friends with boys. Y'all do weird stuff. That's fine. The, the scene for me, it reminded me very much of, you know, season three and the rest for the Wicked's um, mm-hmm. Wanted Dead or Alive scene uh, with Dean and saying that and getting Sam to sing with him. It reminds because in both scenes, he's kind of, you know, faking it and even though in this one he had more hope, of course, because he, he thought he was on, in this scene, he thought he was on his way to a solution, whereas in, you know, season three, he knew he was on his way to his death, basically. Um, but it reminded me very much, and both of them broke my heart in the same way. Because, uh, like, mm. in this one here, here, Dean is so excited, and he's so happy, and, you know, he, he's looking forward to a future and everything when, you know, this yeah. is supernatural. He's not going to get, yeah. in, nothing good is going to happen. <laughs> no, it lasted about very, five minutes. Seeing him happy and looking forward to doing, you know, going to the beach and a future, it just broke my heart. Oh, that and, and you know what else broke my heart is when Sam was talking to Charlie and he was explaining Dean's comment earlier, like, oh, you've changed your mind, you can't do this without me. And Sam says, as part of it, um, you know, we're closing the gates of hell. And he said, I was, I was uh, I was dying and I was okay with it and I'm still okay with it and he's so matter of fact about it 
And I know, and I they, know they are, they... and I understand why, but it just it hurts me to hear it. Yeah, it, well, but I, I think also Sam and Dean, Sam and Dean are always so willing and aware mm-hmm. that, you know, they try to, you know, you get Dean, which is why the dialogue in Painted Black is so weird, because, you know, in reality, Bobby living to his age was the anomaly. Mm-hmm. And so, but I can get the difference between actively wanting to die and understanding you're going to die. And so, I, you know, for Sam to say I'm still okay with it, I think for him it is one of those, like, I could die on any hunt. I, mm-hmm. I understand that, and that's fine because I get that. So I was okay dying then, and I'm still okay with had I died then or if I die on this mission, you know, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, a monster of the week or saving Dean, either one of those can lead to the end of either one of them. I get it. And like Dean says, Sam is the same. It's not a death wish. It's just they're so, they're, they they know their job and, and how it's going to end and probably possibly win. And that death is a constant companion in many versions. They're not afraid of it. They're not going to try and die unless it's closing the gates of hell or something like that. But the and I understand why Sam said it, and I know how he feels. It just, it still breaks my heart to hear him say it, you know, to be so comfortable with it. You know, I'm okay with dying. I'm still okay with dying. It's just hard to hear someone say that. But I get why he says it. I get why he's comfortable and with full knowledge of his job and his life and what they, what they go through. But it still bothers me. I that doesn't make sense, but I know, but it bothers me. It reminds, I think probably the thing, you know, along those lines, the thing that always, probably the saddest thing I remember Sam and Dean doing was in, uh, Song Remains the Same, maybe? I don't remember. Um, mm. episode where, um, Sam and Dean went to the past, see John and Mary, and, uh, Dean tells Mary that she's their mother and everything, and he, you know, they want her to run away from John, run, run away from John, so that they're never born, and they're fine with that. They're fine with never having existed, and that oh, it just kills me. Yeah, that's a hard one to take too. Uh, we have a caller. Okay, take them on. I know what's up. Hi, you're on the air with Winchester Radio. Who's this? Hi, this is Monica Harbour from Twitter. Hi. Hi. Um, I I kind of lost track of the conversation because my laptop isn't synced up with where you are right now. But um, I had a question. Um, since Okay, it's been established that angels can, like, track humans, right? And can see souls. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Metatron's human now, right? So shouldn't they be able, well, Cass, shouldn't they be able to track him fairly easily? Theoretically, but I'm sure, you know, much like him doing the, the spell with the sigils, he'll know a way to hide himself for at least a while. 
I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's, I think, what makes Metatron a formidable foe is not that he's big and strong or anything. It's that he's so old and so, you know, he's the scribe, so he knows all the words. He knows stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so I think uh, for him it's just going to be a matter of finding the right spell and he'll be able to hide for at least a while. I mean, obviously no one can hide from anybody on this show forever, but um, at least for a while I think he'll be able to hide. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I, well, I hadn't, I wasn't really thinking of that, but because um, another friend of mine had brought it to my attention because of Cass's face when he met Charlie. And my friend went, I wonder what her soul looked like to make him smile like that. You know, and so oh, that's, that's what, interesting. That's what made me think of Metatron. Well, like, he's mortal now. They should be able to locate him fairly easily because when Cass was mortal, they were tracking him left and right. Well, I actually like that idea for a separate reason because everyone kept saying, you know, he's smiling like that because Charlie's happy to see him. And I thought that was actually kind of strange because if I were cast and I was, and someone was like, oh, it's you, I'd actually be, have a moment of why. What do you know? What do you care? Um, because, <laughs> you know, life isn't easy for him. And so um, I actually like the idea that it was maybe the, the look of her soul that made him smile like that because I didn't understand when everybody else was claiming that it was because she was happy to see him. It made no sense to me. So I'm actually going to go with the soul theory. And that's me being nice about Charlie and saying she has a beautiful soul. So <clears throat> talking about um, Metatron having a soul, but would he actually have a soul? Because as we know on the show, it's been you know stated specifically on the show, angels don't have souls. Right, so, but when Cass was human, he wasn't soulless. He, we he don't know that. Human. Well, he we know it's we know he slept. Becoming he a human. does becoming a human create a soul? Obviously, because in terms of supernatural, when you don't have a soul, for some odd reason, you also don't sleep or eat. But it as, could be different as for, for Sam not having a soul. It could be different for angels turning human. Though that's a whole other dealio right there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't even true. want to go into that. Oh my God. I'm going to go ahead and go with the writers never thought of it, and yes, they have a soul when they get when they become human. Uh, that's probably the best way to go. Well, I, it just I, I just thought of, I was just sitting here listening to y'all thinking I was thinking of that because they tracked Cass easily when when he was human for a little while, so I don't see why. They wouldn't be able to track him, although I'm pretty sure it'll just be Cash tracking him because he's lied, saying, you know, Hannah's got him back and whatever. <sighs> he's just putting himself in another hole. But, anyways, I wanted to call in and ask about that, see what y'all's opinions were. Hmm. I'm a good question. Question. Now I'm curious about what Metatron's soul looks like if he has one, though. Because, ew. Probably ugly. Yeah. It sure <laughs> is ugly. And uh, and also, you know, going back, I guess, 
season eight. He's been on Earth a long time, you know, collecting books and whatnot. But as far as we know, he doesn't have any... Well, he wouldn't need to ward himself, would he? No, until now he wouldn't have had to. Well, yeah. Until now he was very much in control. The only thing that makes him vulnerable now is that Cass has his grace, which, you know, between the two of them, one having the demon tablet, they each have uh, leverage over the other one. Um, Ooh, I just thought of something. And it's probably never going to (laughs) happen. Okay, he has the demon tablet, right? What if he goes to Crowley for protection? Because oh. he's not that he's not that moral, anyways. That's true. But would Crowley take him in? Well, he's got the demon tablet. Yeah, Crowley would definitely take him in. Well, yeah, especially if we are going to get the resurrection of evil Crowley, which it seems like we're going to, and I really hope we do. I uh, do too. I miss evil Crowley. <laughs> I so miss much. season six Crowley. Yes, uh, season six. Season six, Crowley and Cass are both my favorite. Crowley and Cass. I, I get it that technically they shouldn't be because they were both aligning themselves sort of against the Winchesters and betraying them. Whatever. I still think that's when the characters were kind of at their best. Unpopular opinion of mine. <laughs> well, well, no, it's true because like what? Uh, I, it hurts my brain to think back to season seven. Uh, trying, to remember, yeah. trying to remember everything that he was doing because he was in and out a long time. But yeah, and it, but yeah, everything that's happened the past two seasons with him. Yeah, I miss old Crowley, <laughs> where he was just dissecting things for fun. Hopefully we'll see something to that effect, and hey, you might be right. We'll find yeah. out probably next season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm not going to blather on. So y'all girls have a good night. You too. Hey, thank thank you. you. Thanks for calling. All right, bye. Hmm. You guys still there? Did I lose you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, yeah, I was just thinking about what uh, she that said a, about yeah, the soul. That was an interesting point that she brought up. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like I, I like said, it. I saw a lot of people talking about him being, you know, taken aback by somebody being happy to see them. But I didn't feel like her tone was – her tone was kind of neutral. I didn't think it was excited or uh, aggressive. It was just like, it's you, which mm-hmm. could have meant anything. And I so I didn't – and so I almost thought that his smile was misplaced, in my opinion. Like, it was too much of Misha knows what the lines are going to be, and therefore he gave his reaction a little too soon, which was fine. I I just I thought, thought it was... she looked happy. I thought she looked happy to see him. Like, oh, it's you. Oh, I thought it's she looked like, more like... Like, I'm finally getting like to meet more. someone that I've heard of, yeah, like, only heard yeah. about. So, yeah, I, I thought, thought she looked more thought... floored. I thought she, she, was, she was just as happy to meet Castiel as Castiel was to meet her. And I felt it was because both of them had hurt the other one so much before. And, it, you mm-hmm. know, it was great to finally meet each other. I don't yeah. feel like, like 
I don't think that Sam and Dean sat there and talked to Cass about Charlie. I mean, I don't I think, think they, in a, he had to. I think in a way he had to. They've had to mention forever, her, but yeah, yeah they've had to definitely her talk about her. They've existed in very, they've existed in very separate realms. But things that Up they've done with her, things that they've done with her, I think the only way to explain them would be telling them about her. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have lots and lots of long conversations, but just what they've said about her. It could have been two sentences, but it was enough for Cass to be pleased to meet her. He knows probably that she's been helping with Dean and the Mark of Cain. She's been in and out oh, of their yeah, lives quite a bit. She survived. Sam did, say, and, Sam and did tell him that be... Charlie was looking for the book. Sam did tell him that Charlie was looking for the book. Yeah. So, and, and then, of course, you know, Sam could have just said a couple things about Cass. Of course, you know, if you're, if you're Charlie representing sort of, you know, yeah, no, I got <laughs> the other humans on the planet. It's like, wow, I get to meet an angel. And I've heard a lot, you know, she's heard a lot about him. So, no, yeah, I, get, I, like, I, like I get why Charlie, like Charlie, I felt was actually a little more, that's why I said, she knows who he is. I felt like her, her reaction was more like gobsmacked rather than excited because I think it was that moment of processing. So for me, her yeah. her she read read the line reading came out more like, oh my god, are you really not you know squeeing or anything? Hmm. Um, I liked it though. I mean, it, I just liked the scene. How however, you know, anyone wants yeah, to yeah, no, I didn't dislike it. Look I at just, it. I really liked it, and I liked seeing Cass just give her a genuine smile. Like, and I mean, he's been he was angry and frowning and disgusted and, and all those other emotions this episode. And it was nice to just see him happy just for a second and smile genuinely at someone. You know, it was just nice for a moment to see. It doesn't happen much. And then Sam smiling behind him. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. About 20 minutes ago, Curtis, Curtis Armstrong tweeted, just occurred to me that Metatron's the second lactose intolerant character I've ever played. How many actors can say that? <laughs> <laughs> He's so funny. Oh. Um, and I don't know. Again, I have, um, again, I just, uh, no, I just, I'm not even going to bother. I'm going to keep that opinion to myself. <laughs> he also tweeted about 30 minutes ago, a final thought on last night's episode of Supernatural. Now that he's human, maybe Metatron can buy a nice suit and get a fucking haircut. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I, unless I mean he's not a re, he's not a light he's not a signed regular, so he can cut his hair if he wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't help you with, with, but that's the benefit of not being a signed regular is you can cut your hair if you want. Mm. <laughs> Um, and the writers will just have to explain it, or not. Yeah. You know, or he could, you know, yeah. he could have went to one of Crowley's, you know, barber shops, beauty shops that he has. You know, because Crowley <laughs> does love to do a makeover. This is true. Crowley enjoys a good makeover. Um, yeah. And also, you know, if you think people are looking for you, well, and of course, 
Sam and Dean have never done this in 10 years, you know, because usually if you want to hide or look different and not always look like the same, you, you, you change your hair and, and facial hair and clothing styles and get a different car. But of course they can't do any of that because they're Sam and Dean. But no, and of course instead they've actually picked up distinguishing characteristics instead. Good, good, good job, boys. Good job. (laughs) They've what? I didn't hear what you said. They they instead decided to pick up distinguishing characteristics like tattoos and marks. Good job. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. And but that's uh, how you fly uh, Metatron. Yeah. Well, Metatron, you know, could cut his hair and dye it and uh, you know whatever. So maybe if if he does cut his hair, Curtis cuts his hair. Well, that's how they could explain it. Just well, I was trying to hide, so I changed my hairstyle. Um, there was one thing in the episode that I don't, I can't say it's a nitpick, but I kind of saw it and went, eh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it didn't bother you, but when Jacob is tracking the book and he takes out the compass, I swear I went, oh, it's Jack Sparrow's compass to find Elisa. <laughs> I didn't think about it until you just said it. <laughs> <laughs> and I. You know, I know that sounds awful, but that's the, just the first thing I thought of, and I guess it's okay. Well, and I, again, I'm gonna, I'm going to not as nicely say one of the things I was <laughs> going to say, but you just gave me an opening to say it. Um, and again, Robbie Thompson, I love you as a person. You're great. Uh, we've met, we've talked, and I enjoy your company. But you are nothing if not derivative. So, and a lot of, and most writers are derivative. It's not even a direct shot at you. Um, as we've said, there's, you know, we ourselves have said there's only a couple stories in the world and you just keep retelling them. That's just how mm-hmm. it is. Look at Hollywood. They're, what are they remaking now? They're going to remake, no, what was it? Rocky Horror Picture Show. Why are you doing that, Fox? Tangent. No, mm-hmm. Fox. Bad Fox. Um, so, you know, that's not... You know, it could have been a purposeful uh, derivative uh, Captain Jack Sparrow thing for Robbie. <laughs> um, and mm. I will give him the benefit of that doubt that it was purposefully derivative. Um, but, yeah. Standard mm. Robbie Thompson, Vinny Chaffee disclaimer. I like his writing. <laughs> Not all. <laughs> yeah, I am. I the, the, am the anomaly. I am the anomaly. I only know of all the people I know in and out of fandom that watch the show. I am one of only five people that I directly know that dislike his episodes. Now, I will say, every time my mother does not like an episode or a line always a Robbie Thompson episode or a line in a Robbie Thompson episode. And then I have to remind her who the writer is because she doesn't follow that. And I'll tell her, well, it's Robbie Thompson. And every time I tell her that, she forgets what I'm saying until I tell her the one who wrote the musical episode and the look on her, like her whole face just drops. She's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, me and my mom... the opinions of Vinny may not reflect upon the entire cat, the entire crew of Winchester Bros. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, my opinion is always an unpopular opinion, and I accept that as a person who has their own opinions, um, which I'm allowed to have. Um, exactly. That's why there's three which of is, us. Yeah. 
That's why there's three and, of us. Because it was just one person, it'd just be one person with one opinion mattering on. And, like we said on um, Eldwin's uh, video uh, interview thing this week, it was so much fun. Um, her, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, mm. just you know, because she could see fun. that we're three very different people, and how do we get along? And like we all explained, it's because we're grown ups, we're adults, we understand that everybody can have different opinions and that doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean I should hate you because you don't agree with me. It means fine. You believe something that I, you know, that I don't tend Mm -hmm. to agree with. There's no problem with that. I respect you for your opinion and we move on. We love each other. We're grown ups, and we're totally fine. (laughs) Well, and also aside from that, um, as someone who is a writer and has had their writing critiqued, over and over and over again and have their writing praised over and over and over again. That's just comes with being a writer. And if you, you know, if you can't take some mm-hmm. one person saying, I don't like your style. I mean, that's just one person. Not everybody likes Stephen King. He's one of my favorite authors. Um, again, I, you just, I just, you can't take it says. personally. You just can't. If you're yeah. in the arts, business, anything from writing to acting to music to whatever, your work being critiqued is something that you have it's to so accept. Subjective. And, and it is it's highly subjective. And but I, I had a I had a drawing teacher in college and we would of course have critiques every single week on drawings and and you really and we were young and it and it's really hard to at first to separate the fact that when someone doesn't like your drawing they aren't also saying and I don't like you either. They're just not. It's right. just a drawing they have an issue with. But but she said she said, I could tell you ten things about your drawing, nine of them would be wonderful and I would give you one one negative comment. Like something and that's all you're going to hear. That's the one, and that's all you're going to hear. That's the only one yep. you're going to focus on. And you should just make her crazy. But, but it, it's true. And and I don't know. Maybe if you're just not used to that, I mean, you just you just can't take it personally. And like you say, you know, it's Robbie. We love Robbie. We don't always like everything he writes, or even. Name another writer. Name another director. You know, we don't like everything that everybody does. Well, and again, time, I it's not am personal. the token. No, I'm the token Buckner Lemming apologist. I always, mm. you know, I'm always like, no, you don't understand. They had no choice, or this is why they had to do it. They had to make it fit, and it's not their fault. They're working under somebody else. But uh, mm-hmm. everyone else is like, ah, they messed up Canon. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, they messed up no. for the direction of somebody else either telling them or okaying it. They are not the boss. So I am the token Buckner Lemming apologist. And I don't get mad when everybody else is like, ugh, I can't I can't handle Buckner Lemming episodes. I'm like, well, you know, that's you. Um doesn't mean I don't critique their episodes. I just don't I tend to be the one of the least harsh people in fandom about them. And again, that's okay. Um I get mocked for it all the time and I just go, Okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's true. You know, like I said, I've had my writing, I've had my writing praised and my recaps used to do great. And, you know, when I wrote fanfic, I always was well received. And then, you know, that one random comment you would get every six months that was like, I didn't like this one thing you did here, or, oh, hey, you didn't notice Mm -hmm. your typo here. And that will, I have comments from... 1999 that haunt me from LJ 
never mind the other comments I got of praise. But you have to just go, okay, I'm going to internalize that and say, I'm not for everyone, and is this something about my craft or that person? And, you know, just take it into consideration. That's just, mm-hmm. like you said, part of the arts industry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being a makeup artist, not everybody likes the style of makeup I do, nor do I like the style of makeup that people will ask me to do. Um Going back to the Kardashians, somebody inevitably somebody would always say, "Can you make me look like Kim Kardashian for my wedding?" I really would rather not. I would really <laughs> rather not. I will do it because you're paying me and it's your wedding and whatever. But I'd really rather not. But to that person who's asking me, that's a look that they are trying to achieve. So, you know. But again, um. Yeah, bottom line, he's never going to be my favorite writer, and Charlie, I'm always going to dislike Charlie. That's fine. We're stuck with her. Ideal. I cope. Ideal. And I like Charlie. So, yeah, well, and like we yeah. said, I think the best thing about our podcast is that we all three have different opinions and we never agree. I think that's what makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. You don't like Charlie. Mm-hmm. I do like Charlie. That comes up with, uh, uh, I think that encourages a lot of really interesting discussions. So I like it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, lucky you, we're stuck with her. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Charlie. The last episode I did have issues with that one, but overall I'm I'm a fan of Charlie. I like Charlie. And I, I like vacillate not between all the disliking her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I vacillate between not liking her at all and really just not caring. Um, and I have to say that really what cemented for me not liking her initially was Slumber Party, which is bar none one of my least favorite episodes of Supernatural. So, um, and I will admit that I'm just bitter that she's so, you know, she got a Funko Pop uh, pop figure and she got a, she got to be in the board game and we've had all these other female characters and for a fandom that complains about the lack of female characters, She's the only one that gets really consistent support, but I find her to be one of the more one-dimensional ones. And so, you know, I could do without uh, the bitches catchphrase. I really, really could. I'm not a catchphrase fan anyway, but um, that's just me. She didn't say that in this episode, did Oh, she, she used bitches. Yes, she did. Oh, yes, where she was did. it? Yeah, she did. There's no way where Robbie was, would write her and not have her say it. It's where was yeah, it? What she did she did. say? Tell me, remind it's, me. It's um towards the end when they're in the bunker. Is it the end? Yeah. I yeah, was that she definitely used it. Yeah. She it was I, my and the reason I know is because my mother hates it as well. And she said not too soon before she said it. She's like, Well at least we didn't get a bitches. And then Charlie <laughs> said it and she went, Oh yes they did. <laughs> So I was like, where did jinx it, yo? I like it. I always like the different ways she puts it in. So I'm upset that I missed it. I'm going to have to rewatch it just to see what she got. Yeah, I like I audio don't. stitches and, you know, I, I like the Arriva Dare bitches. Yeah, again, oh, I'm, not a catchphrase, yeah, I'm not a catchphrase fan in anything. I don't like overused catchphrases um, mm. because I believe I feel like they become caricature level. Um, I just, I really do. Um which is why people I, have them. 
But people oh, have them, like, never mind a show. People have them the way, certain ways they, they phrases uh, they like, and they use them probably right. and I'm one of don't even realize always, they're using them. Right, so, and I always, I like, I do pick up catchphrases and, or little ticks, and I'm one of those people, people who tries to train themselves out of it. Like, again, this is something I do to myself, so I'm not just critiquing a fictional character and not, you know, taking it into consideration mm-hmm. myself. But, like, I do nope all the time, and I try to break myself of it because I pop the pee, and it's very just, again, I get called on it all the time. Um, <laughs> I used to do the, your face is the whatever, and my mother was like, you need to stop doing that. Like, your <laughs> hair is dark. And I got it from Supernatural. I got it from the one time Dean said, you're dark. And I carried it for years. And it still pops up, and I still cringe the second after I do it. Um, Dog Paw DK, yeah. love her. She always has the answers for whenever we have a question. She tweeted mm-hmm. that it was before Cass and Charlie meet when they come back yes. to the store. And she says, we're back, bitches. That's yeah. it, yes. Thank you, Dog Paw DK. Which, which, again, why did she say it plural if it's only sad that she was expecting to see? It was with the she was with Dean. Who else are you talking to? Well, maybe she was also referring to him as well. She's he's mm-hmm. part of the we're, and he's just saying she's just saying hey. Mm-hmm. No, we're back, bitches. Bitches is plural. Who was the other? I bitch? know that's what I'm saying. She was maybe she was including everybody in the room, including nobody me. else was in the room. <laughs> no, you're excuse me. No, she's a bad line. No, she wasn't saying cast. She wasn't expecting to be cast. But she's so that's right there. before she saw him. Right so. before she goes, no, no, no. Don't make excuses for a bad line. Uh, whatever. I think it's okay. Mm. Yeah. Well, again, I'm stuck with another, you know, to whatever season we end in of at least one blah, blah, blah bitches a year. So there you go. <laughs> you win. Um. I want to I want to talk about just a really beautifully shot scene, and that's when Cass gets his grace back, and the whole library yes. implodes and then explodes, oh. and then he stands up, and his wings are back, but they're tattered. So it was a nice bit of consistency. And, and there and was a lot of discussion about that, and um, because there were people like you know he didn't fall, so his wings shouldn't be burnt, essentially. But I saw it more as, like you're saying, tattered in that all mm-hmm. the angels are, they're not, you know, they may have all their own grace, but they're all damaged now because of what yeah. Captain Metatron he's did. really damaged. He's been on borrowed grace. He's been through a lot. Well, and it's also the remainder of his grace. You know, they've made it yeah. very clear that this is the remainder of his grace. Right. So it made perfect sense so, and yeah. healing. And he's healing. Yeah, I assume so it was going to be a, a good drill type thing. Yeah, I assume it's going to be mm-hmm. a good drill type thing where he's going to continue to heal uh, now that he has his grace. I assume it's kind of like as a human, you know, you when you break your bone, the way your bone fixes itself is it fuses and it it knits back together. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, your body does that internally. So for me, right. grace is like that. You mm-hmm. know, his 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 grace will knit back together internally. But um, I like that it was a 
<laughs> stop molting. <laughs> um, I I like the I like the the side by side of the first time we meet him as an angel in, La- in Lazarus Rising, and now and to see it both such a dynamic visual effects, but different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually like that he's not at full power, and it wasn't an exact mirror to it because that's again that's boring. We've already done that. And mm-hmm. I, I like how um, it kind of also went back to when Anna got her grace back, and you know she's telling everybody, "Close your eyes, close your eyes," because she knows it's going to be huge. And you know the same thing—a mm-hmm. huge event happened when Anna got her grace back, and a huge event happened with Castiel. I like that they're you know, yes. She- although apparently now anyone can look at an angel's grace, and you can look at an angel directly, and you're fine. You can kill them, and everything's fine. Everything's fine. It used to be you couldn't look directly at an angel at mm. their grace because, you know, you, you pabola, and now it's perfectly okay. So, you know, again, apparently they realized that burning out eyes all over the place was going to get awkward eventually. <laughs> well, was it the – And Pamela got, her, Pamela got her eyes burned out because she was looking at Castiel in his true form. Wasn't that it? He was, she was seeing yes. him in his true form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but one, I always yes, figured that once you kill – like. Didn't, isn't there an, a part in season four where they talk about when their angel when they're killed, it's because their grace is released and you can't look at their grace directly. And then Dean does when he kills Zachariah, and there was this, all this meta about why Dean could do that, and right. they all meant nothing, and they meant nothing in the end because it didn't matter because it was just a glitch. I thought what the if if what how I'm remembering it was we were told back you know back then in season four and all that that only an angel could kill an angel, you know, on the head. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even get it. I remember that. All the time. Yeah. Like, so what? Now, she's like, so what? Uh, everybody gets an angel blade right out of the gate now? Is that how it happens? Like, everyone's got one and everyone can kill an angel and we've all got switch angel blades in our back pockets? I'm like, yes, mother. I'm sorry, mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, those yeah. Little- yeah. That always bugs me. Because <laughs> I remember back, you know, when... Dean killed Zachariah. Everybody's like, he killed Zachariah, mm. and only angels can kill angels. So does this mean yeah. he's an angel? Yeah, there was so much right. meta in season four that came to zero fruition. Which is again <laughs> why I say I go back to Misha Collins. I always go back to him saying it's not that deep. I need to find the exact quote. <laughs> I need to find the exact quote. Um, I have the gift from my huge gift file. I need to find it um, because. Yeah, I, and I know a lot of really intense meta writers. Um, I'm really good friends with with Linda with Book Doll, and she—I mean, she will run meta circles around you, and then she's like, "Oh, guess not." <laughs> <laughs> and most meta writers are like, "Oh yeah, I guess not," because meta is essentially navel gazing, and you're just looking—you know—you're looking too much into it. That's the that's almost the exact mm-hmm. definition of meta, and um, yeah, you know, again, yeah, I just over and over we are proved that Misha Collins is correct. Mm-hmm. And then every now and then, of course, it was a while ago, but they surprised you, and um, we found out that Ruby was always going to be evil. And that I remember at the time fans discussing, yes, she's changed. She's actually helping out. She's trying to you deny being a, a demon and trying to redeem herself. And, and, and 
it was, no, she's always been intended to be evil and be in cahoots with Lilith and a plan and all that. So once in a while, well, there is that intent. The... <laughs> plays yeah, out and... over a couple of seasons. But I don't think that's so much as meta is. Nobody, no, that's not looking too deep into it. That's, I mean, it was going to go either way. It was going to go one way or the other. Either she was mm-hmm. really trying to redeem herself or she was really screwing them over. It was one or the other. It was a complete coin toss. So I don't consider mm-hmm. that overly meta. I consider, like I said, when, you know, back in season four, when we all, everyone was having flip right. outs about who can look at Grace and who can kill an angel and who can do it. And well, what, what does that mean for mm-hmm. Dean? And what does that mean in terms of, you know, Sam as well, if Sam's got the demon blood and Dean has, uh, Dean's part angel and oh my God. And then it turned out they were both angel vessels. So it didn't even matter. And so on and so on. And now we come to where anybody can kill uh, any, an angel and the angel blade will kill anything except Dean essentially. Right. Whereas and not only that, have, but we have the blade, which, which will uh, uh, apparently kill everything except Dean as well, because, but it'll kill Kane. I don't understand. Whatever. <laughs> not only does, uh, you know, can anybody kill an angel, but anybody can be a vessel basically anymore. So, yeah, like, I'm assuming these people are still giving content, consent, but um, I don't know. Hmm. Because now you have the dilemma of they're giving consent, but Hannah was still like, I don't want to do this. Ew. I also want to go back to, speaking of Hannah, of Metatron saying that heaven is running um, as smoothly as it has since God was there under Hannah. And I'm like, oh, you just damned that to hell, didn't you? The minute he said that, I was like, oh, heaven's going to go up in flames at some point. Because oh. you can't maintain order <laughs> yeah. forever. And I'm like, oh, you just compared Hannah to God, but then you just said, oh, and me. So you're comparing yourself to God, and this is going to go badly for everyone. Actually, I thought, boy, are you wrong, Metatron, because Bobby Singer's on the loose up there. Yeah. I, I <laughs> you know, it wasn't that great because like, Bobby Singer got loose and, and caused trouble. So, you know, it's not yeah, right. And I had great. to question, I had to question if, if he was being sincere or just, I mean, he can't be fully unawares because he met Bobby. Now, he may not know the circumstances there, that is. Is he just but lying you just have... to annoy Cass? Yeah. Either way, I know I saw a lot of people taking that at face value and saying, like, what does that mean for Cass now? And I'm thinking, mm. no, no, there's still a battle ahead for Cass when it comes to heaven because Metatron mm. is on the loose. And what does Metatron want? Control of heaven and control of everything. That's going to tear down heaven again. That's going to, Metatron's probably going to kill Hannah somehow. Something. And it's going to, because mm. essentially that's, let's face it, you can interleave Cass into the 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 main myth arc as much as you want, but he has to have his own storyline in order to maintain. And his story is always going to involve being an angel. And it's always, as a result, that's always going to involve heaven. So, I mean, it's just, He's an angel, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still confused about how, without his grace, the first time he was human, but now if he lost borrowed grace, he would die. I'm I'm still confused about that. Uh, real quick, the, um, 
to celebrate 12,000 shirts already sold. Um, Jared posted a short little outtake from their video yesterday on his Facebook. Um, if you want to go watch it, it's really cute. It's only a few seconds, four seconds, but it, it's cute. So go check it out. <laughs> After so what you're saying is instead of listening <laughs> to me, you were trolling Facebook and watching Jared Padalecki. Well, my uh, thanks, you- best friend. No, no, thank you, well, best friend. Well, I wasn't trolling. I'll tell you how I knew about it. Our good friend Sandra texted me and said, did you see the outtake video Jared, from Jared's Facebook? Oh, my God, these guys are crazy. So I'm instead like, of listening to me, you were checking your text. I No, it comes up on my phone because I'm talking on no, my no, phone, no, so no, I see them. No, no, no. And yeah, so, Well, you've yeah. been arguing about it. I went and watched it. <laughs> and I remain the only person who has not seen it because I am too busy arguing. Exactly. It's actually four. It's four seconds. Like, like by the time I say, "Go watch the video, Vimmy," you could watch it. Can I get along <laughs> in the Facebook? Me and Facebook oh, do not get along. Sarah Tadalecki, if you are listening, please, please Twitter more, or at least link your Facebook posts to Twitter. Because Facebook is not, I don't like it. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not alone in that. There are a lot of people who don't Facebook very well or don't Facebook at all. So you have to cross post for us. Gosh. But the thing is, we have over 200,000 Twitter followers, but yet we have over 976,000 Facebook followers. Yes, I know. And I literally only have a Facebook so that I can admin our site. That's literally the only reason I have a Facebook is because <laughs> it's the only way to admin the site. So there are more Facebookers than Twitterers. There are, but they're not a complete crossover. So it was a cute video. And from the, These guys from the are whole crazy. video. I, I liked I liked Jensen waving. <laughs> I'm here with my friend. <laughs> that was, was like, cute. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I found my friend. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny how you know as Sam and Dean they look so much like older than they do as Jared and Jensen. Yes. Yeah. Like they really do mm-hmm. wear their years as Sam and Dean. Uh, they yeah. were their, their actual years plus some, but as Jared and Jensen, they're actually, they both look younger than they are. It's very strange to me. Yeah. And their 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 joint t-shirt and phone case project that represent is rolling right along. It's well over 10,000 shirts now, I think. Shirts and tote bags. Right. I've just been saying apparel. It's yeah. If I say shirts and tote bags, it takes up it takes up too many characters and on Twitter. And so yeah, you have to add all of it and it's too many characters on Twitter. <laughs> so apparel and cases. Um and I'm pretty sure uh for a few people that were asking, um a five S uh um a five C and it should fit all the uh iPhone fives. So if you have a 5C, the iPhone 5 case should fit, if I'm not mistaken. Because mm-hmm. we had a couple questions about that. Because the only thing that, you, that you, you have a C is that it's colored. Mm-hmm. So 
should be able to do that. Um, if your phone is not the kind of phone that there is a case for, uh, I'm sure Jared and Jensen apologize for that. Um, because I've seen a few people say that as well. And, you know, I don't have this, I don't have that. Um, it may not have been an available option through uh, Represent, but you can get a tote bag or a shirt. And I really like the shirt options. Um, I like the flowy tank top. I've seen a lot of people have been getting the flowy tank top. I'm going to get one of those shirts that comes in the uh, really big sizes to sleep in. I think it because um, the shirts are really well made. Uh, I, you know, I got one of the Jensen and one of the Jareds already, and they are so soft and so comfortable. And mm -hmm. I was regretting that I didn't get one, a big one that would be good to, you know, because they'd be so comfy to sleep in. So and it's funny that you say that because I'm currently wearing my Jared one because I um, took a shower and I got into my my pajamas already because once we podcast, I'm done for the day. Um. And I'm wearing my Jared shirt, and I bought it in a 5X. And at first, I was like, I bought it with the intention to sleep in it. And I bought it giant because I generally wear a 1X to 2X in my normal clothes. So I, I bought a 5X, and then I bought it. I was like, are you crazy? What are you doing? You just bought something three to four, three to four sizes bigger than what you wear. No, best decision. Best decision. It's a giant tent. It's a giant tent of comfort. Mm -hmm. I so, yes, I highly recommend buying one three to four sizes bigger than you wear as pajamas and then buying another one to wear in the world. Perfect. <laughs> well, I ordered a t-shirt, but, but, but my other pick this time is a tote bag. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you want to like, be all hipster like that and, and go against the <laughs> green, whatever. No, no, it, it's uh, called any more t-shirts and I'm going to be like able to wallpaper my house completely. With t-shirts? Oh, see, I have very few. I have very few fandom t-shirts. Um, <laughs> Someday yeah, I'm going to make myself out of them. Not me. I'm going to have them made into like a big, beautiful fandom quilt. I think would be really. Cool. Oh, that'd be okay. really cool. Yeah, so, my husband. Anyway, I got a tote bag this time. <laughs> my husband recently built me this really great. Um, I don't know. It wouldn't, it's kind of like a shelf, but it's like a dresser type shelf thing. The, for my um, clothes because I didn't really have a good place to keep them all. And so as I was going through all my clothes and, you know, getting them ready and putting them on the shelves, I realized I could probably wear a different Supernatural shirt every day for a month and never repeat them. Okay, there's a project. <laughs> <laughs> the, and like, again, I'm, I'm shirt, the weird one take that, a picture yeah. and have a, have a whole collage. Hey, <laughs> yeah, that would be really that cool. That may be a summertime plan. That may be a summertime plan. Yeah. And, I'm the weird one that every time I get a T-shirt or even if I buy it myself or sometimes, you know, um, someone will gift me one, I'm like, oh, but that would be a really good giveaway for somebody who doesn't have a shirt. I just have that weird mentality where I'm always trying to, like, give away something. Um, so the only supernatural – actually, the only things I've kept are either have been gifts, uh, like I have the sweatshirt that Becky gave me, um, a pair of gloves that another friend gave me, and another shirt that Mickey gave me. And oh, and I have a shirt. I have a Team Ackle shirt that my friend Mister gave me way back before I became a, a Sam Jared girl. So that's my ironic shirt that it just hangs in the closet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I just have that weird like I should give this to somebody. Somebody else really would want this. 
So unless it's like an actual really personal gift, uh, it's it's gone to charity in some way. Okay, now I must demand that you wear the Team Apple shirt for our next um, photo. You know, here's the sad thing. Here's the sad <laughs> thing. Um, if that happens, because she bought me this shirt back when I was a uh, Dean Jensen girl primarily, um, I was also four sizes smaller than I am now. Ah. Uh. So that shirt is not gonna fit right now. So that'll be part of the part of the project will be to get back into that shirt so that I can wear it. <laughs> and then we can totally wear it for a photo op if I can ever fit back into it. Because Jensen would love you showing up in that shirt. He, I mean, even more than he already does. Even more than he already does. Uh. That's her own. That's for anybody listening. That's her ready joke. Is that said to the mostly best? It's true. Um, so nobody, nobody <laughs> take that seriously. Um, it's just her ready joke. <laughs> Whatever. I've witnessed it. Whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I'm still being bad. We do well. <laughs> we do well. And I, I couldn't hear it, but, but. Linda booked the dialogue from that outtake of Jared's video, and it's right. He said he's like grumpy old man, and he says, "Jared, dude, we're recording." Jensen, I thought it was a picture. <laughs> I guess that's how it ended up that way. I and I, I don't know if that's her interpretation. I have to be honest. I don't know if that's her interpretation no, of the that, picture, or is that actually the dialogue? What? That's actually the dialogue because I put you guys on mute while I listen. So that's that explains oh, why. Oh, that explains why he made that movement. <laughs> that explains the movement. He was photobombing his own photos. Okay, <laughs> I guess <laughs> that makes it more adorable. That is too funny. He well, is. He's such a. He's a grumpy old man. He's an old soul. I mean, he uses turns of phrase and words and does stuff like that that is way older. Than he actually is. I like it. <laughs> what? I tell him, Susan says you're a grumpy old man. You're an old man. <laughs> but I'm well, he called himself man. a grumpy old man, which um, he is. He's a he's a I, grumpy I old man. Feel, and and Grandpa like Apple stole her Grandpa Apple sweater. <laughs> yeah, I still feel like he stole curmudgeonly from me. I've been curmudgeonly for years, and then he comes out of the gate with curmudgeonly. And just because he has, like, millions of fans everywhere, and I don't, it, it gets to be his word. Oh, okay, Apples. <laughs> so many. Um, <laughs> You're my favorite curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> I can be your favorite female curmudgeon. He can be your favorite male curmudgeon. How's that? Okay. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, I want to shot you in your like nice gray cardigans. <laughs> oh God, I have so many gray cardigans. It's pathetic. Um, <laughs> I have so many cardigans. My mother make my everyone makes fun of my. And ask Becky. My my basic wardrobe is hey, I can wear this and I can put something over it, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's exactly everything she wears. <laughs> I can put a cardigan over this, right? I can put a jacket over this, right? That's, oh, yeah. So, um, as per usual, Jared and Jensen will get us off topic, even when they are sort of a topic. So, I think that kind of brings us to an end on Book of the Damned. Um, solid, uh, I will say for me, I give it a solid 
B plus, which is high, high praise for me for a Charlie Robbie Thompson episode. That is indeed. Is indeed. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I really love it. Like I said, I'm I, I don't I, know. I'm very <laughs> I'm very impressed with that. I am so impressed with Benny's score there. I'm very I am Again, I know. Um, I, I will give credit. There goes the world off. It's actually due. Yeah, I will yeah. give credit whenever credit is due. It was a solid episode. A few a few side eyes, but not mm. not anything that threw me out of the episode at all. Oh, and, uh, how many more cabins does Bobby have laying around? Apparently, a, a lot. Yeah. Quite a lot. It was cool. Yeah, and I like, I like that. I like that Dean admitted that there are multiple cabins because, and it keeps it from getting ridiculous. Yeah, um, um, I also liked the book of the damned calling Dean. I thought that was really cool. I wrote that down in my notes and forgot to mention it until right now. Oh, I, I like thought that. that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And I like the story of the book of the damned. Like I will say, I like I I am being someone who likes you know very classic culty horror type things. Uh, the idea mm-hmm. of the, the nun who got the dark visions and sliced her own skin and wrote it in her blood. That appeals to me. In fact, if someone wants to come out with that horror movie, I'm all over that. <laughs> that's that's my jam right there. So yeah. Well, there is yeah. a Book of the Damned movie, isn't there? With Bruce yeah, Campbell? it's not. Yeah, it's not. No, not the same. <laughs> mm. Okay, I've never seen it, so. Book of the Damned. It's, Ship of the Damned. There's lots of, of yeah. the damned. Yeah, and there is mm. different versions of there is an actual book of the damned, which is like a I don't know, it's a I think it's a UFO book, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, UFO. I thought you said USO and I said, Well, that's a strange choice for, you know, the yeah, it turns out to be shows. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um but yeah, again, I yeah, solid I, I solid B plus out of me. Mm, B plus. Yeah. It wasn't nothing's totally perfect, but I'll yeah. If you give it a B plus I have to give it an A minus, almost an A. Can't give it an A plus. But definitely No, there were there were too many off things for it to be a, a solid A. I um, give it a solid A. It could have been, been minus a solid A, okay. <laughs> I still say that whether it was writing or editing, there's some there's some Continuity issues with it. Mm. I'll give that's it an A minus. I don't give it an a, I, that's why I don't Point give it an A plus. Is the obvious things that were cut? Uh, if mm-hmm. you know, I would yeah. give it an A plus, but that's I just give it a solid A. Yeah. A minus for cutscenes and for Captain Jack Sparrow's compass. <laughs> 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 like, really? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yes, overall, loved it. Good job. Good job, Robbie. Good job, Felicia. Good job, everybody. Really did. Yeah, fine but um, again, I, for for in terms of of acting in this episode, my biggest shout outs have to go to uh, Curtis and Misha together, and mm. Sam or Jared. Yeah. Um, yes, they yes. they really made this up. I mean, everybody was great. Yeah, he was a standout in this one. Yeah, he was a standout, definitely. Um. And just not not saying anything about next week's episode, but the preview, um, very curious, very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. But I wish, actually, I didn't know 
<laughs> how cryptic, but you know, it's like, this yeah, no, oh. I, I'm with you as well. Um, there's, I wish I well, had all that in the preview. <laughs> I wish I hadn't looked at the title, um, because I didn't quite remember what the title meant. And for people, there are some people who are spoiler phobes about titles, so I'm not even going to say the title. Um, it was familiar to me, so I looked it up, and then I wish I hadn't because I wish I hadn't remembered. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the promo was super spoilery as well. So yeah, and pictures and everything. So yeah, I. The I title, think when they do that, the title, when they the when they make things super spoilery like that, I think it's because it's going to turn out to be something completely opposite of what we think it is. Well, I think it's one of those things where if you notice, like the spoilers and the promos are always something that happens very early in the episode. True. True. Um, so it's not that it's not, it's not that it's, you know, not spoilery or not a, not a, hiding the twist. It's that you get it over with anyway, very quickly. It's usually one of the opening scenes of an episode. Um, but I feel like occasionally those previews give away the end and the solution and we should say they're not made by the show. They're made by the CW Right, the CW, well, well, whatever, yeah, the network. And not to pick on the CW in particular, because every network does it. Sometimes they just yeah, don't yeah. match with the what the show or the producer wants. But that's it. I, I wish I didn't know. But, you know, we've, had, too writers, now. we've had writers that, that have complained about the promo for mm-hmm. their own episode. Where they're like, right. thanks for ruining my episode. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but again, they are production employees, not CW employees. So they're allowed to complain. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, they they are employed by the WB. They are not employed by the CW. So they are allowed to uh, complain about that. Um, we have less than two minutes left uh, on the live broadcast. I'm sorry. Is there anything um, that, any other news or things we have to mention, like while we're still alive or anything? Um, I would mm-hmm. like to say, um, if you missed our interview with Eldwin, the link is on our site as well as her uh, YouTube page, which we have linked. Um, she was a ton of fun, and she's a super, she's a wonderful woman, and Makes she, gorgeous she, jewelry. She's gorgeous jewelry. She makes fantastic jewelry. She has a great Etsy shop. She does. She um, and she also is in partner with Chicken Bean, who is uh, another favorite person of ours. And Shannon's great, so we love them both. Um, but the interview was a lot of fun, and it's a video interview, so you get to see what we look like putting uh, faces to the voices. And mm-hmm. you can see what she looks like because she's gorgeous. So it's kind of unfair. But, um, <laughs> but yes, so go check that out and give her some support and go look, go check out her jewelry and Shannon's shirts because they're both super talented. Um, and she does jewelry for just about every character. So uh, I, have a great Meg, I have a great Meg necklace that I love. I have a Bobby one. Yes, you have the Bobby um, one. I, you might want to mention the giveaway for the um, always for the oh, Jared yes. and Jensen project. Uh, for Jared and Jensen's uh, always keep fighting their moose and squirrel shirt. Uh, we are again the uh, anonymous donors from Jared's shirt plus some some new people um, have joined together and we'll be doing giveaways daily. Um, keep an eye on our Twitter account. It is going to be Twitter only because we have we saw some people have Facebook covered and that's uh, at Winchester Bros. I'm I'm, I'm I'm barging in because there's like one second left, but we're still talking. Yeah, okay, Sorry. so at Winchester Bros, um, it'll be daily. Time zones will shift, so it's going to be as fair as we can possibly make it. 
Details on Twitter every day. T-shirts only, by the way, please. Uh, we won't be doing cases or any other apparel. Just a standard T-shirt. Uh, no tote bag. <laughs> no, no tote bag. T-shirt. Um, and, well, uh, uh, is that it? We're being recorded, of course. But uh, I think we got everything in on the live show. All right. Well, I'm going to go eat dinner and then that's it. <laughs> so good night. Thank you for Monica for calling and for everyone who listened. And good night. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Uh, talk to you next time. Boys will take us out. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio.